Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson, joining you today on site at the OZ Expo in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm joined today by Roy Moffis, co-founder and lead designer at MIT Modular. Roy, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Absolutely. Better every day. Thank you. Fantastic, Roy. Well, uh, MIT Modular was on OZ Pitch Day a few months ago. Your partner, Blake Christian, who's also a CPA at HCVT, was right. on and walked us through the uh, investment opportunity that MIT Modular provides to Opportunity Zone fund investors, but can you tell us a little bit more about MIT Modular, the project, and, and what you're doing there in Provo, Utah? Certainly. Um, well, MIT Modular, we design affordable housing out of shipping containers. We uh, make all of our buildings able to withstand 180 plus mile an hour winds, uh, pull two and a half Gs in a seismic event, and we like to make them net zero as well. Um, and keep in mind, you know, keeping in mind affordability being key, and that's really our mission. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more before we get into uh, the mission behind MIT Modular, the jobs that you're creating, the Opportunity Zone okay. aspect. Tell us a little bit more about the actual building materials you're using, why they're green, and, and maybe who some of your customers are, who you're delivering to. Okay, uh, so we're using shipping containers, uh, and the idea there is uh, to have a highly thermodynamic material uh, insulated well, uh, and then we've taken always taken uh, uh, consideration the, the line of the sun as well to take advantage of passive solar design as well. Uh, we also uh, use solar panels. Uh, we make our buildings super insulated. Um, it's really important uh, at the end of the at the end of the day, like the final user. Uh, you're talking about affordable housing, and you're talking about these price points. Um, and heating and cooling a home, uh, when you make it sustainable, you're actually adding like another three or four hundred dollars a month uh, into that family's income, into the into the basket. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal how inefficient a lot of our buildings all over this country are, especially older buildings. Uh, yeah, I, I, we were upstairs in uh, Blake Christian's party suite last night, right? Having a couple of right. cold ones, and I, I overheard a conversation you were having with uh, our friend Clint Edgington over at the Nest Opportunity Fund. You were telling him some about the uh, thermodynamic properties of the shipping containers. Right. Can, can you summarize that for us briefly? Um, okay, so do you ever, uh, have you ever had to work on your car when it's really cold? Yeah, sure. And you've got to hold a cold ratchet and it starts to hurt your fingers that's so cold? Or inversely, have you ever uh, stepped outside and put your arm in the summertime on a metal railing? All right, so if you leave the steel exposed, you're now fighting your building material and you're trying to insulate from the, either the hot or the cold. If you, we like to insulate on the exterior um, and, and the interior sometimes, um, so we can actually use the, uh, the shipping container like an like a thermos, right? Um, so that we can control uh, we can control the thermal bridging 
um, we, we make it disappear basically. <laughs> uh, so one side doesn't touch the other side. Um, and so we were able to create higher R values. And Are you familiar with R values? I am not, no, but I'll be sure to link to some resources in the show notes page okay. for today's episode if anybody wants to look into it more right. for sure. Uh, basically, basically, so when I say I have like an R30 or an R40 wall, that means that uh, the exterior temperature has to go up 40 degrees before the interior surface of the wall goes up one degree. And so it really matters. And when you're talking about uh, long-term efficiencies, that's what really needs to be there. Very good. Um, I want to talk about OZ policy in a minute, but you have a really interesting story. You grew up in Louisiana and... Actually, I grew up in Virginia. You grew up in Virginia, I'm sorry, but you were living in Louisiana when Hurricane Katrina hit. Can you tell us about how that impacted you and how that helped lead you to where you are today? Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, if you've never been to southern Louisiana, once your soul visits Louisiana, a part of your soul never leaves. Um, beautiful people, beautiful food. I, was, uh, I just bought a piece of land, uh, and my son was about to get born. And, uh, and Hurricane Katrina came along and wiped everything out. Was my life savings, everything was gone. And we ended up moving to uh, Utah, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, where we were living on the side of Redwood Road with uh, a newborn baby. No, no shelter, no, no home, the, no roof over your head. Yeah, in the winter, what we, what we actually did was we actually found a, 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 somebody had an RV that we... We put, and then we ran it, uh, we ran an extension cord across to this very friendly neighbor who was who gave us some electricity, and that's what we had all winter. Right on. And uh, what, when was it uh, that you worked your way out of that situation? Wow. <laughs> um, I guess in a lot of ways, I'm still working my way out of that situation. It's, um, if you, if you ever lose... If you ever lose everything, like housing is so much more important than people realize. Um, you know, it's, it's, losing, it's losing your life. It's losing your opportunity. It's losing the opportunity to pay for your kids' uh, education. I mean, lots and lots of college <laughs> educations have been paid for with second mortgages. Um, and so when, you, when people don't have that chance or don't have that ability, it is, it is quite crippling. That's why I do what I do. I'm still... Because I'm still working through that process um, and still trying to, you know, rebuild my life. Um, I, I understand where other people are coming from. I understand the struggle. I've been homeless twice in my life. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm deeply passionate about affordable housing and what we do. And that is what you do at MIT Modular. So w w when, did, uh, when did you first learn about the Opportunity Zone program, and then when did you decide you could apply it to this business that you're that you're underway with now? You know, it's really kind of bizarre. <laughs> um, I, I read about it, and then um, I, I went looking for it, and I actually had to read the legislation to find it. And then there were no there were no guidelines or anything, so like just it was sort of like wild wild west there for a little bit, and then. Um, I'd met, I had met Blake before, um, and I actually built a project for Blake. <laughs> he didn't, we, we never put it together. We never put it together. And then one day, one day, uh, years later, I actually, um, I actually called him up kind of out of the blue and I'm like, hey man, it's Roy. Like, um, 
I think we should do this, and I think it would fit what you already do. And, and, and I just pitched him, and he said, you know what? You're right. That's a great idea. And affordable housing is a huge market, and yeah, let's do that. So I want to talk about now um, part of what I spoke about on my panel, which was a legislative update that we gave about an hour or two ago now. Um, I talked about, toward the end, the need to tell positive success stories about Opportunity Zones, which is one of the reasons why I'm excited to be having this interview with you today, Roy, right? Is you have some positive success stories. So could you tell us, tell me, tell my viewers and listeners why the Opportunity Zone program has been so crucial for you and for MIT Modular, and also talk about some of the jobs that your project, MIT Modular, has helped create in the Utah area. Okay. Um, let me just say, like, part of that success is um, the, your, your, when you're on your panel that you were talking about um, uh, and some of the difficulties there, I, let me just say that I welcome transparency. Like, <laughs> like this is Blake. <laughs> hey, Blake, how are we doing? We're, we're filming right here. Yeah, but that's okay. No, that's okay. You yeah. did, but you, we lost our bouncer, so no worries. Okay. You can come on in here. All right, there goes Blake. It's, it's right. live TV, folks. Sorry right. about that. That's so how that goes. Exactly. So you were telling us about some of the transparency. So uh, the transparency reporting is welcomed by everybody, but it's yeah. the logistics of doing it that's a little bit challenging. But what are your thoughts there? Well, my, my, thoughts, are, my thoughts are that, A, there are people to kind of help us with that process. Blake is one of those people. Um, the guy, Reed, was it? Reed Thomas from JTC Reed Americas, Thomas, yes. Right. Like and the and the services that he offer, uh, that he offers, and plus I think that this program is so new that we we all need to learn more about it. And and you know you're it's as simple as checking the wrong box sometimes. And like you know that's that's I think that comes with being a leader. You know if you're doing it first, <laughs> like you're bla you're gonna make mistakes. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're blazing the trail, you might get burned, right? Exactly. So it's totally true. It's totally true. So can you tell us about some of the jobs you've created? How how many jobs have you created in Provo, Utah, and and maybe the, some of the types of the employees that you're employing down there? Where would they be without the Opportunity Zone program? Absolutely. So we're ramping up right now. Um, so um, in addition to creating. I don't know, 40 or 50 uh, sort of day jobs for, for the homeless population. Because we're actually taking them off the street, hiring them to do work. Um, and then in addition to that, we have a core staff um, of, of eight people that we really put together. And um, my employees are folks that um, the rest of the world is kind of left behind. Um, they're battered women, they're vets, they're uh, uh, ex-convicts, uh, ex-offenders, um, just people, people that the rest of the world doesn't care about anymore. Um, but I've seen, I've seen one of our, one of our employees is, is Shane, um, and Shane, um, he had the courage, and, I, and just for a second, like what it takes to show up at a job interview and say, hey, I'm certified uh, in all welding processes, but I just got out of prison for uh, possessing meth, right? That's what he said to me, which is, I, th I think takes an enormous amount of courage. Um, so I kept listening uh, and leaning into what he was saying, and, um, 
and I've watched, I've watched as he's um, helped helped her mom helped his mom save her house, rebuild his relationship with his kid, and you know you know what he asked me for. He asked me to get off work early for for three days a week because he knows that he can't make it without his meetings. So I do. You know, Perla, Perla um, is one of our one of our employees. She's a woman who got beat up pretty bad and uh, on a consistent basis. And then, you know, things didn't turn out so well. She, you know lost her children, um, that sort of thing. But she's now, you know, she's, she's got an apartment now. And, um, you know, I watched her go from a shelter to an apartment. And she's, I think this week, she's actually vacationing with her kids in California while I'm here. Uh, so that's, I just, those are difficult things to put a dollar on, to put a price on, you know, a cost on. Um, but, but those are anecdotes of two very big, impactful turnarounds in two individuals' lives that absolutely. wouldn't have happened without opportunity zones. Is absolutely. that right? Absolutely. Further, further, you know, I, I asked you this question earlier. You know, um, I don't know if you know uh, how much uh, in all the venture capital in the United States, what percentage of it goes to women or people of color? Most folks think... I got it wrong, right? by the way, yeah. <laughs> you thought it was 10... I thought it was 10% under 10%, yeah. yeah. No, it is less than 1%. Less than 1%. So we have a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion, but this program actually opens that door in a way that's really meaningful for investors um, and really meaningful for people being invested in. I, I was working... I was doing this for 16 years, you know, before I met Blake. And Blake was like, hey, Roy, this really is a good idea. And I can't tell you like the difference in between investing someone and empowering someone, right? Like investing in somebody, you may not, investing in someone is, you may not see what that is or what that value is. But when you empower that person, you teach that person how to fish, you know, right? And he can feed himself for the rest of his life. That's a, that is a game changer. And when we're talking, about, um, we're talking about affordability, we're talking about opportunity, we're talking about the opportunity gap, right? And filling that opportunity gap with, you know, with people who have the wherewithal, because where else would we get it from, <laughs> right? The people, the guys who have it, want to share it. This program is a way to build bridges between huge fractures in our society and, and their complicated problems, right? We, there, are, there are oftentimes, I've described them as intractable problems that a I, lot of... I don't, believe, I don't believe that there's such a thing as an intractable problem. I say never waste a perfectly good crisis. We have an opportunity for investors to actually be able to, to invest their money and protect their money and make profit, right? And communities that have uh, been largely disenfranchised um, to be at the table and, and empowered. Um, and that is something that we cannot waste.
we cannot waste. And it is, it actually, these are groups of people who wouldn't be in the same room. We might never have dinner if it. Yeah, no, probably right. not. If, yeah, if, if, if it you're right. Been for that. If it hadn't been for that, I was, I'm just some schmo. You don't know what I have in my head, you know, um, and I and I don't I don't fit um, the image <laughs> um, of of your typical uh, investor. Um, but um, I welcome the conversations. I welcome the challenges, and you know, it really is. Exactly that, an opportunity. And I'm just going to tell you, brother, you give me an opportunity, I'm going to come knock down that door. I'm done knocking. <laughs> I love it, Roy. And as you told me before we went live, representation matters. Yeah. And we yeah. think, you and I both think alike, that the Opportunity Zones program, and you know, it's led to a lot of the people in this room doing great things. It's going to help put that uh, into reality, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that you know, the more conversations we have about it, and they're difficult conversations. You know, the more conversations we have about it, the better off we are all going to be. And so it is, it is not just, uh, it's not just an investment. It's, it means so much more uh, to the long, just a long-term view of how our country treats each other. Like, these are old, old wounds, you know. And, yeah, this is a way to heal those wounds, and I'm down. Anytime you need me, you let me know. Awesome. Well, thank you, Roy. Thanks for joining us today on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Uh, before I cut you loose, can you tell our listeners and viewers where they can go to learn more about you and MIT Modular? Absolutely. You can catch us at mitmodular.com. Uh, you can Google us. You can look us up on YouTube. You can look me up on YouTube. <laughs> uh, we're there. <laughs> And now this episode is going to be on YouTube, and uh, that reminds me that for our listeners and viewers out there today, as always, we will have show notes for today's episode on the Opportunity Zones database website at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. There you can... To a corner? Yeah, no, we're, uh, we don't do that, <laughs> but go to opportunitydb.com slash podcast. We haven't figured that part out yet. And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platform to always get the latest episodes. Roy, thanks so much again. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 